Radio. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and this is Stranger Than. Well, you know, like Pythagoras, Joanna loves a triangle. I and do. And she's going to continue telling us about her new fascinating triangle. I know, the Bennington Triangle out of Vermont. That's right. And, you know, after our last episode, I, I pulled up, like, the map of the United States of America, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Vermont is smaller than I always think it is. I always think it's, like, big, like, Maine. But no, it's, it's tiny. It's not, but it's not tiny, tiny. I mean, there are smaller states. Not many. But it, Vermont is, it is, it is a smaller one, but it does have some vast forest land. Yes, much like Maine, who has. I think Maine is mostly forest land. It actually. is, it is, and that's probably why when I think of Vermont, I always think of somewhere like the size of Maine because it's kind of like near where Maine is, and it's also like a lot of forest. It's not, a, yeah, you know, yeah, it's not like a a, a big city state. No, not so, so much. Yeah, but yeah. Still looks like a like a, a fun place to explore. That's for uh, sure. Definitely. I mean, uh, it seems like it's probably a not not a bad place to live. No, it looks uh, pretty charming, actually. Yeah. yeah. Definitely a place with uh, all four seasons. Yes. Uh, get that you get that beautiful uh, New England fall that I have yet yes. to see because I haven't really traveled to that area a whole lot. But yeah, I hear the autumn is a is a lovely time in that area. Ooh, it's, I mean, it's it's a lot like it is around here with the changing of the colors. I mean, mm -hmm. the trees around here change colors like mad too. Yeah, no, I'm watching. I think it's it more pretty... of a uh, latitude or a longitude thing than a mm -hmm. latitude thing. Yeah, although I will say, I mean, Washington, it's it's pretty, but like we don't have as many like oak trees and, That's true. and all that We've stuff. Got it's all those evergreens. We got yeah, tons, we got tons of, evergreens, of so. evergreens. So it's one thing I've noticed even in Kansas, because we have like tons of like maple and oak trees out here. Not, you know, so many pine trees, not even like a fraction of yeah, what's yeah. out in Washington, which I miss, but also it is really pretty in fall because like, it's basically like all the trees are turning all the colors. Yeah. You it's got not whole, just a bunch of evergreens and, and like, yeah, just, yeah. And just, you know, a few trees here and there dotting in the different colors it's like it's like yeah all of the trees are are turning all the colors but then it sucks in winter because all of the trees are bare like skeletons <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now all of them are blooming again and i'm so happy when that happens i hate skeleton yeah, trees well they just get they sick of it no after longer. a while all right so yes Bennington Triangle out in Vermont. Uh, it was uh, named that by Northeast uh, author Joseph Citro, and he has written a few books about like legends and lore and hauntings and whatever, like in the greater north northeastern area. And to recap, on the last episode, we discussed some unusual disappearances, uh, several of which happened all together like really close at the same time and um a lot of them uh the, the person uh was never uh found ever uh and that would have been uh carl herrick 1943 he disappeared while out hunting his body was found three days later by his cousin that he had been hunting with uh but the cause of death was apparently squeezing that's right yes that's, squeezing uh, bear track yeah <laughs> uh, his cousin thought he saw bear tracks in the area where his body was found but of course we kind of mentioned you know like that's bears don't generally yeah. squeeze bears do not squeeze weird thing about the carl Herrick case do you know it is in david Pilates for missing 411 doesn't surprise me all that it much. It does not surprise me all that much, but I was like, oh, that's interesting that that was uh, one that he, he chose to uh, speak on. Uh, next was Mitty Rivers, uh, November 1945. He was a 74-year-old, vastly experienced outdoorsman. 
disappeared on a hunting trip, never ever found. Paula Weldon, age 18, December 1st, 1946, went for a walk on the Long Trail and never seen again. (laughs) Also, James Tedford disappeared on a moving bus December 1st, 1949. Also never found. Which is not common. No. The bus was going through the uh, Green Mountain National Forest, uh, which is where, like, a lot of these, uh, you know, weird things occur. Glastonbury Mountain and the in the Green Mountain National Forest area. Uh, October 12th, 1950, 1950, eight-year-old Paul Jebson disappeared in that area as well. Never found. And then finally, on October 28th, 1950, uh, 53-year-old uh, Frida Langer, who was also a very experienced experienced outdoors woman she was uh like like a survivalist like trained you know and to basically survive out in the wilderness yeah she knew it. she not was, get she was lost like on one of those and, shows and die <laughs> but uh Oof. she yeah she disappeared and then her body was found in an open meadow Several months later, I believe it was the following May, in an area that had been searched multiple times, and then Classic her body was in right there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and her body was in uh, such a state of uh, decomposition that they could not determine uh, the cause of death. Oh, Jesus. Yes. So and death that... by decomposition. <laughs> <laughs> so that is. Uh, we those are the cases that we talked about in part one and now for our part two i'm going to kind of take it back and i'm going to talk about some of the uh early myths and legends and perhaps a few theories on what might have happened to some of these folks and then also a few more recent experience some more recent experiences that uh people have had out there in that area well, we know there's Sasquatch. I mean, there's. I mean, as far as much as, as much as we know, there's Sasquatch anywhere. Right. You know, there is. We we know that they're in that area. There yes. are reports of them from there, and there's a bunch of woods. So. Hmm. Now, um, Glastonbury is a ghost town that is out there near Glastonbury Mountain, and the mountain itself. Um, was considered to be cursed by the Abenaki tribe, which was part of the Algonquin nation. They only went to the mountain and to the base of the mountain to bury their dead. Other than that, they stayed away from it. They felt it was cursed because the four winds met there in an internal struggle. They also had a legend of a man eating stone in the mountains. It was a basically this like malevolent giant stone that if you stood upon it, it would swallow you whole and you would never be seen again. Yowza, that doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that is kind of weird is that all over the mountain mountains are these uh these cairns these man-made rock piles that nobody really knows who put them there or why or what they're for probably (laughs) right some people think that it might have been like uh markers uh for uh you know people like hiking through there except they're not really found on any of the known trails they're kind of (laughs) pretty far off trail in fact so and then like maybe it was like early farmers like doing that for their farm stuff or whatever like clearing the land uh except it was also in an area that was pretty they're in areas that are pretty remote and uh you know wouldn't be a place that somebody would necessarily pick to you know start up their homestead and and farm the land so that (laughs) doesn't really make sense either so no one is is sure where these man-made rock piles came from but or what the fuck know. they're for mm-hmm. yeah what they're for where they came from who put them there or when they've been around for a long time apparently so we know yeah. they're there though mm-hmm. this much is certain 
there's also um, another legend of the Bennington monster, which seems from the descriptions to basically be Bigfoot. And I will right. talk about some encounters uh, coming up here. Which makes sense because, I mean, all these like humanoid critters that are the such and such a place monster tend to be like, well, that sounds a lot like a Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not uncommon for those oh, things Ohio's to... got a bunch of them. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not uncommon for, like, a bunch of uh, weird things to also, like, uh, be in conjunction with where uh, Bigfoot are found. So... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then... I do think that there, so, okay, some of the stuff that is, is weird about the mountain itself is like people report like really strange and unsettling noises coming from the mountain. And that could be like the wind thing, like the wind thing is like an actual like thing. Um, it's very weird like how the the winds uh kind of uh meet and cross that mountain so much so that some of the vegetation grows at really weird angles because of the wind and how weird it is up there yeah that's weird. so <laughs> i mean that's like an actual thing so i mean i guess the 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 natives had had you know they weren't wrong when they said that the four winds like met at the mountain yeah. I'm not sure that necessarily meant that it was cursed, but they felt it was. And, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, if the, the man-eating rock thing is right, then, I mean, yeah, I'd want to stay the fuck off that mountain, too. Uh, they've been in that area longer than white people have been in that area to date. So mm -hmm. uh, I would uh, imagine they probably know more of what's going on than we really do. Right. And they had reason to avoid it, you know, with the exception of uh, burying their dead. And then, yeah. of course... You never know. Maybe having it be like a burial ground also. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> makes I guess. it a little bit like you know. The place where you put your dead isn't necessarily necessarily a place where you want to like hang out. <laughs> right, right. I mean, sometimes it can be lovely, and sometimes the ground goes sour. Now we learn this in Pet Cemetery. Okay, true. Like, yeah. <laughs> and rarely do people want to hang out on a carnal ground. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, any place where there's, like, you know, lots of dead, it always, uh, you know, gives kind of creep vibes going it's on there. It's fine for scavenging animals, but, uh, yeah, it's also filled with disease, so rotting things aren't great. Well, I mean, lots of rotting things aren't great, but it's all, like, part of, the like, the cycle of nature, though. The circle of life. The circle of life. The circle of life. The cycle of life. The cycle of circle. All of those <laughs> things. As far as white people go, they settled the area in around, uh, in the late, like, 1700s. Apparently, <laughs> the guy who um, initially settled the town... Um, I don't know. He was kind of like not like the brightest person. He was just trying to like kind of like buy up all the land. And then he's like, yeah, let's put like Glastonbury like right here. But it was kind of like a, a hard place to get to because it was really like steep. And, and then it's like, hey, let's let's, you know, try and make it easier for people to get to. And let's build all these like roads and railroads leading into the town. But the town's main um, thing was logging because, you know, it's Vermont. It's a fucking forest. Yeah, there was trees there. And so that's what. The yeah, towns so were, were like there. They, they were like cut down a lot. And so then um, there was ideas in the late uh, 1800s, like the, the economy started to like kind of tank. So um, it was decided, like, hey, let's let's make this kind of a resort town. And so, like, old build buildings were, like, turned into, like, casinos and, like, fancy hotels, like, trying to get some more, like, tourism out there. But again... It was fucking hard to get to. It was really hard to get to. <laughs> and then, because they had done so much logging in the area over the last, like, 100 years that it had, you know, been settled, like, it was settled in, like, 1761. And this happened in, like... 1867 
there was like a big uh, storm and the hillside eroded and the yeah. <laughs> the tracks were like washed away in this yeah, flood. No As it turns out, we need trees. Yes, they are useful for many things. One of them <laughs> uh, is like keeping I, the ground, like if you live on a big fucking hill, they kind of keep the ground stable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I dare say that uh, they are mandatory for many things. Yes, yes, they are. And when you um, decide that they are only useful like as a monetary thing and to log them and get rid of them all, then that, you know, lead, leads to, to more problems. Well, a few years, I'm going to start with some kind of weird things from the past, which can't all be like, you know, 100 um, percent, you know, verified. This is just coming from a lot of different sources here. But apparently uh, around like the 1862 marker of uh, so, you know, a few years before the flood that really kind of killed the town, like following that you know, washing away of the railroad, railroad that, you know, that kind of sealed the town's fate and it just kind of dwindled from there, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but prior to that happening, apparently there was uh, a wild man of Glastonbury. So like this guy who maybe like lived in a cave in the woods and he was all like, you know, scraggly and gross he would uh come into town and uh open up his coat and he was naked underneath so he was basically like a flasher like a, right. a crazy flasher like a dirty old like uh hermit flasher mm-hmm yeah so he was known as the <laughs> the wild man of glastonbury uh, apparently, you know, this happened a couple of times and I guess maybe he was run out of town. No one really uh, heard much from him and there wasn't a whole lot more to find. Um, when it comes to, uh, reports about the Bennington monster, some, one of the theories was that like maybe, uh, it was the wild man of Glastonbury, and this is what he evolved to, and he's just, like, wearing furs now and, like, continuing <laughs> yeah. to, like, terrorize people, and he's become, like, this, like, crazed, like, cannibal monster. So, you know. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Sure. And I'm sorry, I totally had my, um, my dates wrong. It was 1890. Uh, Seven okay. when the flood happened, not 1867. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 1867 was when the the wild man first made its appearance. Sorry, folks, it, lo lots of dates. <laughs> Shortly after the Civil War, maybe he was a yes. Civil War veteran. Yes. And uh, maybe he had a little PTSD going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably saw some rough stuff. Uh, well, if he was in the Civil War, I'm sure that he saw some rough stuff because, well... Mm -hmm. There was a lot of slaughter. Yeah, know? it was a fucked up thing. They weren't really sure. how they're, they're like using old tactics with newer weapons. And as it turns out, those little balls flying that fast sure can do some fucking damage. <laughs> now, in 1892... I'm sure about this now. <laughs> <laughs> There was a murder, uh, a sawmill worker by the name of Henry McDowell. He uh, got drunk and he killed his co-worker who was named John Crowley. He bludgeoned him to death with a rock. Hey, with you use whatever's at hand, I guess. Yeah. Uh, now, he fled the scene, went to Connecticut, apparently, but then turned himself in and confessed to the murders and said that the voices in his head had made him kill John Crowley. So he was sent to the uh, Vermont State Asylum at Waterbury, but he then escaped the asylum by hiding in a railroad car carrying a load of coal, never to be seen again. Legend has it that maybe he returned to Glastonbury and then, um, you know, others say that maybe he's just out and out up there in the mountains to this very day. Like, uh, really, you know, 
old person at this point, but <laughs> right. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he probably just like, you know, got away and did what a lot of people are able to do in like 1892 is like you, you go just, to a different place. You just go to a different person. place and there you go. Go by a different name. Mm -hmm. Grow a beard or shave your beard, whichever. Yep. Now, five years later, there was another murder. And this occurred the first day of deer hunting season. It was like the first official deer hunting season that they were having out there. Because before that, you were just able to hunt, and now they're like, no, no. Yeah, and now they're like, okay, no, we're, we're going we're gonna to need to, like, restrict this and, and do this at a certain time, and yeah. I couldn't get an exact date, because all the sources that I looked at just said it was the first date of deer season, and was approximately five years after this first murder had occurred. Yeah. Anyways... John Harbour, uh, who was a citizen of Woodford, was out in Bickford Hollow at his deer camp. Now, Bickford Hollow is significant because that is where the lone shell from um, that might have been possibly come from Mitty River's gun was found. Ah, yes. Yes. Uh, that would be, you know... 40 odd years later when he right. disappeared but yeah again kind of in that same in area same, right, right yeah he had a deer camp and his brother and family friend were also hunting in the area and they heard a rifle uh, shot go off and then thought that they heard him crying out, I've been shot. Now they started looking for him, but it wouldn't be until the next day when they found him. And he was sitting under a tree and it seemed as though he had been shot, but it seemed whoever had shot him had dragged his body several yards and placed him sitting under the tree uh, with his fully loaded gun next to him. Huh. Yeah. So whatever happened, he didn't get a shot off. Right. And if, I mean, I don't know, it just seems weird. I mean, I guess it could have been just an accident. Like, you know, people, other people are out there deer hunting and, uh, yeah, I would say that a bunch of people drinking and hunting is mm -hmm. probably back in like the day. I'm sure. I mean, this is probably. A, I mean, they there there weren't they weren't wearing orange or anything. I'm no. sure. So I'm sure the hunting casualties were quite a bit higher then because you'd see something rustle, you'd wait for something to pop out, and then you'd shoot and be like, "Oh man, that was Floyd," right? Or whoever. Although I think it's interesting because, especially like back then, I mean, like, you know, everybody's got guns and people get killed on accident with guns all the time. Like, why wouldn't somebody just say, like, it was me? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe uh, distrust of the government. Could be. Could be. It just seemed to be, I mean, it just seemed odd, I guess, at the time that, you know, just the way his body had been dragged and placed under the tree and then put his loaded gun next to him. I don't know. I guess, you know, for whatever reason, uh, the circumstances seemed to be very strange and, well, yeah, and it was never weird. solved. It's a bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, it, it it does seem weird that nobody would have ever just been like, oh, that was me. Like, you know, I was shooting in that area. Maybe it was me that shot him. Um, it seemed more like, I guess, from the scene, it seemed more like somebody had intentionally shot him. Shot him Because if it away. was an accident, again, like, why wouldn't somebody just be like, uh, you know, like, oh, shit. Yeah, that could have been me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
or like, yeah, I was in that area and my gun went off. Maybe I, I could have accidentally, but, but nothing like that ever came up. It just seemed as though he had been intentionally shot and then dragged to the tree and, and his body posed there essentially with his uh, gun next to him. So yeah, a little bit weird. Now, following this, this is going to be the encounter uh, with the Bennington monster, the most, you know, known encounterer, I guess. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> this is also in the 1800s. And the story goes that one of the main roads through the Green Mountain National Forest had been washed out during a heavy storm, you know. Not altogether shocking, you know, no. it happens, <laughs> you know, the, the whole damn railroad got, you know, washed away by a storm. Now, a stagecoach full of passengers was going down that road, and because the storm was so uh, crazy, uh, he was forced to stop. The stage driver then noticed very large footprints in the mud, which were too large to be human. At that point, something knocked the stagecoach over onto its side. And the only thing that the driver and the passengers of the overturned stagecoach was able to see was a pair of glowing red eyes. And then they heard a roar, and then something large and hairy, around six feet tall, ran off into the woods. There are some accounts of Bigfoot having glowing eyes. Yes. And also, if there's any eye shine, and there's, if there's any light, then the eye shine will light up. Mm-hmm. Now, in 2003, there was another sighting. So all the way back to the, you know, millennia here, 2003, Ray DeFresny, he was near Glastonbury Mountain and saw a black thing, quote unquote black thing, those were his words, along the road. He said it was covered in black hair and appeared to be well over six feet tall. And then there were several other people who reported a similar sighting around that time in that area. So, Sounds like Bigfoot to me. It does sound like <laughs> Bigfoot to me. Now there, it's, it's known as the Bennington Monster, but it seems like the Bennington Monster and Bigfoot are one and the same. Yes. Unless it's the Glastonbury Wild Man, you know. <laughs> and maybe, yeah, maybe it's actually a grandchild of his and another, and a Sasquatch. Could be. Maybe that wild man got wild with a Sasquatch out there. Yeah, and this is yeah. their offspring. Who knows? Who knows? Because the wild man was around like kind of before the whole incident with the stagecoach. I mean, that was probably like 40 years prior to the whole stagecoach thing. Right. Uh, occurring. Uh, and then the Glastonbury wild man was most definitely a man, you know, who yeah, was guy, like a, I mean, a flasher. Yeah. A man with a man penis and, mm -hmm, and yes. stuff. Everyone saw the man penis. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. He, he liked to, um, you know. Flop it out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Show it off to the neighbors. <laughs> but that's an interesting theory. I like that theory. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Bennington <laughs> Monster is uh, the wild man plus Sasquatch. Yes. Sounds about right. Now, after the whole incident with, like, the rail, the railway tracks uh, washing away, then, like I said, the town kind of went uh, downhill from there. So by the 30s, it was practically, like, nobody lift, left living there. It was actually featured in uh, 1936 on Ripley's Believe It or Not. And I guess maybe being 1936, was it like a radio program or something? I'm not quite uh, sure. Or did they have like a printed edition of Ripley's Believe It or Not? Probably. Maybe. I mean, could could be both. I don't really, I don't really know the whole history <laughs> of Ripley's Believe It or Not. 
But uh, the Madison family, uh, which is one of the the oldest uh, families to have you know been settled in the town, and one was one of the last families to remain in the town by that time. Uh, apparently, the Madison family held all the public offices uh, that were a thing still in the town of Glastonbury. So they thought it was uh, crazy enough to be on Ripley's Believe It or Not. Uh, yes, the Ripley's Believe It or Not uh, started out as like a periodical sort of thing, like a, a newspaper uh, deal. Uh, it was a, a cartoon feature, actually. It was originally sports feats and was called Champs and Chumps, but then it yeah it it went throughout its whole thing and eventually um, became what it is now. Uh, apparently, uh, Peanuts creator Charles M. Schultz uh, was a uh, artist for Ripley's Believe It or Not back in the day. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. Well, after being featured in the Ripley's Believe It or Not for the fact that this one family was basically left living in the town and held all the public offices. Uh, the following year, in 1937, uh, the state of Vermont disorganized the town, basically. You know, it was like, all right, this is done. Like, You're not a done. town anymore. <laughs> yep. You guys are a bunch of fuckers. <laughs> and it was the first time the state ever had done that, had actually officially like uh, dissolved a township. And I wonder how often that's happened, actually. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I can see it happening like all the time in the Old West where they're like, you know, come into a town and they're like, oh, there's a bunch of bad guys in this town. And they're like, fuck it. Everyone move out. This town's done. Also, probably um, a lot of towns that like, hey, we found some silver, some gold. Oh, but now we mined it all. So, well, I mean, done I, is as well. the government actually dissolving the town or is that just the town people filtering out because they're like, well, there's nothing for us here. No one's coming in. There's no money. We got to, you know, go bag a living someplace else. Yeah, the mine's dried up. But then I think at, at a certain point when there's nobody living there anymore, that's that's when the government's like, okay, officially you're not a town anymore. Like, you don't, we don't need to deliver mail anymore. We're not going to have like a <laughs> post office. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe. It's not going to have its own like zip code and post office. We're going to reuse and... the zip code for a mm-hmm. better town, <laughs> a more prosperous town. <laughs> so now it is a ghost town, except for I think still like a few people live there. In like uh, 2010, didn't we? Didn't we go over this last time? The census info. The 2010 census had like eight people there, and I think maybe there are still eight people there as of yeah, it was 2020. Like that. Was, no, I think it was yeah. like nine or or something. But yeah, no, there's still people there, but not a many. Yeah, that's that's not a whole lot of people. No, living out there. Few people. <laughs> and um, the Madison. Um, they had a big house in Fayville, which had been part of Glastonbury. So when the place was like settled, there was actually like Fayville and then South Glastonbury. And so that kind of like was like the whole town of Glastonbury basically encompassed Fayville and South Glastonbury, if I'm right. reading correctly. So in Fay- they called the Fayville Chateau was the house uh, that the Madison family um, lived in for many a year and that actually uh was put up for sale uh back in like the early 2000s and and really? i couldn't find any for information on like who bought it or if anyone actually lives at the chateau anymore and there was only like maybe one or two pictures out there but it was quite large and uh it was pretty large and uh creepy looking <laughs> Well, that's lovely. It's got some age to it, but uh, yeah, I, I'd be interested to know if it is it like still standing out there. Like, what's what's going on? I mean, people still go out there, like especially because of the whole like you know the area is cursed, all the disappearances. There's there's lots of people that like to go out there and and see for themselves, check shit out. Yeah, what what's what's going down in yeah, there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to read an experience that somebody had in 2008 in the Glastonbury area. All right. So we can get a more recent experience of someone who was out hiking. Now, this is an article on the Bennington Banner. 
and it is written by John D. Waller, October 4th, 2008. Robert Singley got lost in the Bennington Triangle on Sunday night, but unlike some who were lost before him, the Bennington College music composition teacher lived to tell his story. Quote, Right before I lost the trail, everything like crescendoed into this weird sort of dizzying confusion, end quote, Singley said Thursday. Quote, it just suddenly got dark, and then it was like, where am I? What's going on? I was totally lost, end quote. Singley, age 27, went out for a day hike on Sunday off Harbor War. Harbor Road in Woodford Hollow, the exact same place where Paula Weldon, a Bennington College sophomore, was last seen some, seen some 62 years ago. He was planning to do some composing. He had been working on a string quartet. After eating lunch on top of Bald Mountain, he walked a short distance along the ridgeline north towards Glastonbury, turned back, checked out the white rock to the west, and then started heading back east towards his car. He walked for four or five miles. He should have been at his car within three miles. Quote, I swear I was walk walking on the right trail, end quote, he said. That's when the fog rolled in and it started getting dark. Singly, wearing heavy boots, long shorts, a long sleeve shirt with a wool sweater and rain jacket, a winter hat, and mittens on the cold, rainy night, pulled his headlight, headlamp from his pack. It was broken. He had no compass, no GPS, no map, not even a watch. Unable to locate the trail, Singly found refuge under a large maple. Quote, I was kind of drawn to it in the night. It was really expelling a weird sort of, I don't know, a really weird haunting energy, whatever that means, end quote. An experienced hiker, Singley stayed calm and tried to get some rest. However, he was too cold and wet to fall asleep. He started to work on a fire, but he kept stumbling upon large animal bones in his blind search for wood. Now that is weird. Yeah. <laughs> like every time you think you got a piece of wood, it's like, oh no, it's this huge animal bone. Like what the what the shit is this? Yeah, I like can't what, burn this. Like that what that really like caught my attention. Just like <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? Like all he's finding are bones. It's really that's I would not like that. Like all Yeah, right. you're lost, you're wet, you're cold, you're trying to start a fire, and like all you can find is bones everywhere. Like Like why am I in a place with so many bones? Yeah, like that would freak me the fuck out. Yeah. Like like okay, like I'm freaked out now. Not cool. No, not, not cool. at all. He finally came across some dry birch and was able to start a fire with matches and pages of a composition book he had in his pack. The night was eerily quiet, other than the loon-like call of a lone fisher cat. I guess fisher cats are kind of like bobcats. Okay. It's another theory as to what might have happened to some of the people, only that, like, lynx and bobcats are not known to be super aggressive. And then, no. yeah, if it was something bigger, like a mountain lion, um, again, evidence. Like, yeah, this is not a, a thing blood. that just is, you know, happens, like, quietly and stealthily and doesn't leave a, a trace behind. Yeah, if it's an animal attacking somebody to the point that, you know, they're going to get drug off and, and eaten or whatever. There's... Did you call the thing a, what, what would you call the thing, a fisher cat? A fisher cat. Well, there are just fishers, which is sort of like a weasel, mm. about the size of a house cat. Interesting. A fisher cat. Yeah, I don't know. I thought maybe it was like a bigger cat because they were talking about big cats it's, out there. but No, it's, 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 it's like a weasel. Oh, okay. And it makes noise. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, all those things make noise. Well, yeah, but I mean, just like that, that's what you hear in the night is like this weird fisher cat. Weasel noise. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, foxes sound fucked up. Maybe fishers do too. I guess so. I just, I never heard of it. I, I assumed it was bigger, but okay. It was a little, it was a little weasel cat. That was the only, only noise in the night. Yeah. 
he started worrying, but only about his fiance worrying about him. I mean, I get that. Like, maybe you're not so much worried about yourself, but you're thinking about like, oh man, whoever back at home has got to be totally like worried at this point. Freaking out, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. At this point, she had already called the police, but the search was suspended until morning due to the dark, foggy conditions. The sun would come up eventually, he thought, and he would find his way. Once it was light enough, Singley, disoriented from the previous night, attempted to walk back towards his car. After three or four miles, he reached a wilderness sign. He was near the Goddard Shelter, almost at the peak of Glastonbury Mountain. Quote, I thought I was camped about a quarter mile from my car, and instead I woke up totally on the other ed- end of this ridge, literally six or seven miles away from where I thought I was. It didn't make any logical sense at all, end quote. Singley started walking back. He passed the maple, but then the tree seemed completely foreign, like he had never been there before. Down trees crossed the trail. The pines looked different. Quote, it was stuff I couldn't have missed, end quote, he said. A short while later, at 11.30 a.m. on Monday, he was found by Vermont State Police. However, his morning location still remains a mystery to him. Quote, either I took a side trail, which doesn't really make sense, or something weird happened, end quote. So, yeah. That's wild. That is wild. So clearly, you know, it's a place where you can get pretty turned around and, you know, lost pretty easily, which could account for some of these uh, disappearances. Even the people that are, you know, experienced hikers like this guy just completely ended up in a different place than what he thought he was. And he can't even really explain how he got there. Yeah, no shit. So that sounds lovely. (laughs) Yeah, it is. um, It is pretty odd. Now, there is a wonderful, wonderful blog out there called Obscure Vermont. And I got a lot of my information out, out of there. And the author of this blog Uh, shares his own experience when uh, exploring the the town of Glastonbury because he grew up in Vermont and like has a lot of, uh, you know, fascination and goes and finds all these like crazy places. There's some other stuff that he's done um, that he's explored and blogged about. And I'm like, okay, totally going to do this on another episode. (laughs) Yeah. Recommend you check it out. Uh, Chad Abramovich is his name. And I'm going to just read a couple uh, excerpts from his blog, starting with his own experience out there in the, uh, like, what used to be Fayville and uh, the ghost town of Glastonbury. Even for rural Vermont standards, this was pretty desolate. I knew there was something different about this place. It challenged my young and naive view of the world. Why wasn't there anything in Glastonbury like other towns around it? It had a mystery to it, and I wanted to know more. My first act of familiarizing myself with Glastonbury was to make the trip down to that curious place on the map called Fayville. Myself and a few friends departed in his pickup truck and drove up the bumpy forest road into a strange clearing in the middle of the hills. Here, underneath summer humidity, we found old cellar holes almost entirely hidden by tall grasses beneath the shade of gnarled apple trees. At the bottoms, under layers of decaying leaves and dirt, were iron bands, old horseshoes, and other various relics that hinted at human habitation once being way up there. It now made sense. Fayville was a long-abandoned village that still appeared on the maps. As we were wandering around one sunny July afternoon, it became dark and cloudy as a gusting wind picked up and tangled the long grasses. And it came fast, so fast that none of us were aware of the change in weather until things got dangerous. We were suddenly at the mercy of a freak ferocious thunderstorm that seemed to emanate out of nowhere and became so violent that we literally retreated down the mountainside in fear of the dirt trail washing out, leaving us stranded in the middle of the national forest. 
But when we got back to the flats of Sh in Shaftesbury, it was sunny and dry. To make things far stranger, gas station attendants in Arlington were baffled that a thunderstorm, especially one of that magnitude, had passed through the area without them noticing it. Freak storms are common in New England. It's by no means a rare phenomena here, but the conditions were just right to make this a head-scratcher. I still have no explanation to this day. Weird. <laughs> yes, quite weird. And he goes on to share a thing that he found out on the internet. It's an experience that another uh, group of hikers had out there and it was uh pretty crazy so i'm gonna share that real quick one harrowing account i was able to dig up took place on columbus day 2008 this time two long trail hikers were making their way through the glastonbury wilderness again on that long trail again while hiking they ran into a young man named dave who helped rebuild fire towers along the trail so you know what fire towers are right yeah. Yeah. So the the big tall towers, towers people, that people they sit in, sit in to watch and look for forest fires and yeah, you yeah. know sound the alarm if they see one starting. Cuz you know when you're around a lot of forest and things catch fire then Yeah, there's a lot of wood in forests. Mhm. Mm They started talking about the mountain's reputation, which at this point seemed almost impossible not to do if you're visiting. They had heard about the disappearances and shrugged it off as uh, out-of-control tall tales, but Dave had a weird story to tell of his own. Dave spent some time on Glastonbury Mountain, restoring the fire tower on the summit, and would work up there for extended periods of time. While camping in Goddard Shelter... Now, this is Goddard Shelter, the same one that that one guy, you know, the composer guy, he, uh -huh. he found himself just suddenly there when he got all lost. While camping in Goddard Shelter, his friends reported that there were nights that he would sit up in his sleep and laugh uncontrollably, and other nights when he would wake up screaming. Dave was considered a down-to-earth and smart guy, so this behavior had his friends extremely concerned and disturbed. He had never acted in such a way before. I'll never know if Dade, Dave had any follow-up episodes or an explanation behind these bizarre actions. The thread ended there. Huh. Yeah. So, you know, apparently the mountain maybe makes you act a little crazy. There's definitely yeah. an effect that uh, happens. Um, another thing that he mentions in his blog was uh an account uh from the book ghost towns of new england by uh fessenden s blanchard <laughs> yeah was a what a name yeah. apparently fessenden s blanchard spoke with arlie green who was the oldest surviving member of the madison family green recalled in the old days in glastonbury one uh particularly uh weird nefarious event two local men had gone fishing in the peters branch one went upstream and the other went downstream one of them was never seen again a short time after the disappearance of the fisherman someone found a human skull sitting on a tree stump near the brook that doesn't get there naturally no it does not <laughs> usually not just left sitting there for all to find so that's kind of yeah Interesting. De definitely. Now, there are some explanations, and he kind of had touched on it when he was talking about his, his lovely uh, afternoon that, you know, turned to shit when the weather suddenly changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about hiking up around there, and there's a lot of old cellar holes and wells. Now, this might be, oh, like, right. a more yeah. practical explanation yeah, as far as the people who disappeared and were never found again. Um, yeah, though the whole place over there is just kind of littered with cellar holes. So basically, like when people would uh build a home out there, they would dig out a cellar, and then as people moved on from the land, they would take down the house because the 
you know, they wanted to like reuse the timber. I mean, it's hard to like make planks in, in the, you know, 17 and 1800s. Oh yeah, definitely. So they would basically take the house apart and go relocate somewhere else. And they would just leave this like dugout hole where their cellar had been. And sometimes it's reinforced with stones. So you can see all these like old cellars, but I, I had to like look it up on the internet. Cause it, it kept mentioning like cellar holes all over the place. And I'm like, what the fuck are cellar holes? <laughs> because you know, like, Hey, I, I'm from like the West coast and uh right. i mean things got settled a lot later down this down that way and we don't have nearly so many um old you know uh relics of the past just all over the uh bunch of fucking like pits for people to fall in that yeah dug for uh -huh. to keep their roots and their fucking cider I mean, certainly uh, the, you know, all the, the indigenous people that were all across this continent uh, well before us, there's stuff there. But as far as, um, you know, white people doing white people things like digging out big <laughs> yeah. holes in the ground and, and, and uh, making houses and leaving them there. Yeah, not so much a thing that, that happens out on, on that side of the, the country no, because, not as you much, know, no. mm -hmm, yeah, it was a little bit later that it got settled. So... Uh, yeah, and I found this actual, like, this article that was, let me get to it, uh, sorry, it's, um, <laughs> it's from vermontwoodlands.org, and it was, like, this whole, it was, like, this, like, 57-page, like, PDF file, and it was called Stone Walls and Cellar Holes, a Guide for Landowners on Historic Features and Landscapes in Vermont. That's the huh. title of it, okay? And it went on to say, like, all these things that you might be finding if you have land out in Vermont, such as stone walls, cellar holes, sometimes even old wells. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, somebody digs a big, old, long, deep well, and somebody steps into it, and then it's covered in whatever. And That's a good way to go down, disappear, disappear and never be found again. I mean, like, yeah, there might be, like, the bad rock on the mountain that swallows people up but also <laughs> there's like actual just holes in the ground apparently there's actual nat natural sinkholes in the area too nice yes <laughs> yes and it got me thinking like okay like could a lot of these like 411 things be like uh secret like sinkholes or like quicksand pits that nobody recognizes as quicksand right. yeah, remember maybe. that meme about like you know like when you're a kid like thinking like quicksand was gonna be a much bigger problem when you maybe grew up than it actually turned out to be it, yeah yeah well maybe it actually is maybe these places maybe these sinkholes and like little quicksand holes are all over the place just a thought here but you know there's sinkholes there's also mine shafts because there was a lot of mining going on yeah so yeah. you got mine shafts you got sinkholes you got man-made giant holes in the ground aside from the mine shafts you've got wells and uh cellar holes which can be very obscure and hard to find and hidden in all that forest and brush <laughs> yeah. yeah also there's a thing i mean a lot of these people disappeared uh in the winter months and you know how there's paradoxal like undressing, like right, when you're when you suffering become hypothermic. from hypothermic. Yes, there's yeah. also like a paradoxal um, burrowing, I guess, which is where you basically like crawl into a hole or something, some like small space to try and you know conserve your body heat and stay warm. Right. And so what with all these like weird little like cellars and cellar holes and whatnot, it could be that you know, these people found themselves lost in the woods and then they crawled into like a small space trying to Stay keep warm, warm and fell then they and fell asleep death. and died and then yeah. were never found again. Could be a thing that happens. And uh, I actually found that 57, I, I read a lot of that 57 page thing. I had to like force myself to stop because I'm like, okay, try to just stick to like the information you want to relay on the episode. The fact that there uh, is just, there are tons of these things all over the place because there was a lot of settlers that like moved through these towns and then picked up and left again. Yeah. As, yeah. yeah. 
And the whole landscape is dotted with these things. And I thought it was so fascinating, though. I, I was just, I was loving reading <laughs> this whole document. It was really fascinating about the artifacts that you might find if you own land out in Vermont. And here's what might be out on your land left over from hundreds of years ago. It was crazy. It was crazy. Now, I mean, that might account for the people that disappeared, never came back. Uh, the Freda case... Now that's weird. I mean, that's a four one one. If I ever heard it, oh where, yeah, definitely. You know, missing, missing, gone for months, and then suddenly body is in a advanced you know, state of decomposition a, in a place. Yes, in a place times. that was searched many, many times, and I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if any of this stuff is true. Not true. Obviously, there's some weird stuff that goes on in that Bennington Triangle. I mean, it's been going on for a long, long time. So there's, yeah. you know, the long time ago stuff. There's the, you know, long time ago, but not hugely long time ago. And then there's like pretty recent stuff. I don't know. What I do know is that I'm pretty sure that Carl Herrick was killed by a Bigfoot. <laughs> right. Yeah, well. Because, that way, really. I mean, he's found squeezed to death with large, uh, what appear to be bear tracks around, only we know it's not a bear. Right. Uh, Bennington monster, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, whatever you want to call it, I'm pretty sure that that was uh, what resulted in Carl Herrick's squeezing demise. More than likely, because I yeah, mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck else is going to just... There's, there's no critter out there that is in that area that's going to use a squeezing as any sort of anything. Right. I mean, what else has the strength to, like, crush a grown man in that as way? Certain large pythons that don't live in Vermont. Right. Although, <laughs> I guess they have been reported in the, um, in the other fucking triangle. God damn it. And Bennington, just, was it? Not, no, this is Bennington no, Triangle. No, uh, the... triangle. Um, yeah, the other one, I don't remember either. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but the one over in uh, Massachusetts. Right. Yeah, the the other triangle over in, in the Bridgewater. Bridgewater. Yeah, there we go. Bridgewater. Bridgewater Triangle. There, it, there was a story of a giant uh, python in the forest. So, I mean, I guess that could be it. My money's on Bigfoot. I don't know. That's more likely than a python. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Weird lights have been seen in the sky, so, I mean, I guess it could be aliens. It could always be aliens. You, you, I mean, those they're damn, sneaky. pesky bastards mm -hmm. are everywhere. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's, that's basically all, all I have for you, folks. I think it uh, sounds like a, a, a pretty uh, scary, but also awesome and wildly interesting place yeah definitely just be sure that you have some sort of stick when you're walking around so you can make sure you don't fall into some sort of yeah pit or crevasse i would actually say you know those things that they use when um those beacon things like when you go snowmobiling in case you get oh yeah, uh, yeah. like an avalanche yeah, on you those, i yeah. i would say maybe you should that would be a wise thing to invest in if you're gonna go hiking around out there because out, out anywhere really i mean it's probably good yeah, to have one of those things it, it really is for sure but if you're in an area where yeah lots of people just disappeared with no trace and then there happens to be like a lot of like uh geological and historical uh features that could um you know contribute to that such as cellar holes and yeah quicksand <laughs> sinkholes quicksand yeah, whatever uh, rocks that you know are mean and uh swallow you whole yeah i don't mean hopefully they could still trace it the signal wherever you go when the rock swallows you but sure, I, yeah i don't know i don't know where you go when the rock swallows you up but there you have it. Real quick, my sources are legendsofamerica.com, benningtonbanner.com, medium.com, obscurevermont.com, I'm sorry, obscurevermont.com, historybyday.com, grunge.com, listverse.com, and of course, as mentioned, the vermontwoodlands.org. Stone walls and cellar holes, a guide for landowners on historic features and landscapes in Vermont. All right. Well, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. 
if you would like to listen to more of our stuff that isn't just generally out there, you can uh, donate to our Patreon, patreon.com slash stranger than podcast. For $5, in addition to getting the regular episodes ad-free, you also get a bonus true crime episode where Joanna tells you horrible things about horrible people. That's right. Uh, you can also check us out at ageofradio.org slash stranger than where you can stream our regular episodes. Uh, you can also take a look at all the other podcasts that are on the stranger that are in the age of radio age of radio family. Um, you can take a look at our Facebook group, the strange space where you can be largely ignored except for a few memes from Joanna every once in a while. That's right. I do love my memes. That's right. And with that, we'll talk to you next time. And stay strange. Thank you.